0: And heaven Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. Discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John.
1: My name is Brett Reinholds-Hobson.
2: And I am Joey Rogate. Tonight, we delve into an industrial hellscape to figure out what the hell is real and debate whether having free-range plants is a good idea. But before we get there, please make sure you're following us on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, a 1,001 by 1. We're there. We'll interact, so please follow us. So tonight we're here. Welcome, everybody. Um, we always like to start with recommends. So, uh, Adam, when you go first?
0: Well, before I give you my recommend, I'm just curious because... Uh we will we'll probably say this throughout the episode or towards the end that this is uh uh our just our first endeavor into Lynch and that we're gonna be be ranking him uh next time. I'm just curious how how are you how are you doing in your Lynch delving so far? The, the both of you.
1: I've done five movies. I
0: I have I'm I have also done five. I've done five.
2: And when as I'm
1: well. not watching the movies, I am watching Twin Peaks. Um. And I'm doing them in order. So I started with Eraserhead. Um, I ended on uh, I, wild, wild at Heart. Wild, yep. So next is Firewalk With Me. But I really want to finish Twin Peaks before I start Firewalk With Me. It's a thing. But, yep. but yeah.
2: Fine. So I did five. I did them in n- not chronological order for a particular reason that I'll talk about in the next episode of what I want to watch last. Um, But yeah, I'm five in. I had a little bit of trouble finding one. So Adam, thank you for one. And one, I thank the local library for tracking it down for me. (laughs)
0: That's and it's it's uh, it's funny, too, because we're also we're, we're recording this a few months before the movie that I, I had to uh, maybe maybe not illegally get to you um, is actually going to be released by Criterion. So it actually of would course. have been more widely available uh, in just a few months. But
1: well, if um, people are watching along with us, then they'll have the capability of getting it. Uh, exa-
0: they will have no excuse.
1: They'll have no excuse. Go and watch that film.
2: Yeah. It, yes But it, it's 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 been an experience. But and I've also I had never watched Twin Peaks before, so I'm also I have delved into that as well for the full, you know, just so I have the full context of things.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so hoping happy. I'm hoping to fit in the the return. That's what it's called.
1: Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm hoping to fit it into. I think I'm just gonna buy it because I don't own it yet. Um, have you guys both seen I've that seen before?
0: I have not seen the, sh- uh, the the new Showtime one. No, okay.
1: I saw the return. Um, my husband watched four episodes with me and went, I don't think I'm a Lynch person and went in the other room. And, um, so I, I watched it when it first came out. I really had to let it digest. It was not what I expected, but I should have expected that because it's Lynch. Um, so I really want to rewatch it, especially because episode eight is, it's incredible. So I, I really need to, to, to dive back into it, especially for that episode eight. And I do want to apologize to people listening I am sick, so well, I'm not sick. Sick, you know, I, I just have a cold. But I might sound a little uh, a little weird today, and my voice could go out at some point. So I'll try. I'll try.
0: Well, I'll I'll, I'll hop back in now. Um, so uh, uh, because of the the pure Lynch mania that we have been involved with, uh, finding time to watch other stuff to recommend has been. you know a little a little hit and miss um so i but i do have one i do have a recommend and it's a movie i'd only seen once before and it made for a really nice saturday night viewing where we could just like have some drinks and just kind of like turn off the brain but still stay engaged um and uh if joey hadn't already recommended the menu i would have been but i want to say i did see it and i totally dig it um my recommendation is the 2017 as uh as wikipedia calls it the uh black comedy slasher film happy death day i am recommending happy death day to the world Brittany, i'm assuming
2: you've seen it
1: yeah it's so pleasant it's just fun
2: joey what about you yeah really enjoy it um you know I've also seen Happy Death Day to you, but yes, I very much enjoy Happy Death Day.
0: Uh, yeah, and for anybody, so if you haven't seen it, basically what happens is there's this there's this uh, woman named Tree. She's a college student. She wakes up on the morning of her birthday, and um, she goes. She lives through her day, and uh, eventually, by the end of it, uh, she is killed. But then she wakes up. And she's right back where she started that morning. And she's caught in a time loop and basically spends the movie trying to figure out uh, why she's stuck in it and how she can get out. Um, she's, uh, you know, uh, in so many words, uh, one might call her, uh, she's kind of a bitch uh, throughout the movie. But she kind of learns to not be a bitch. And that's, so she has some growth. She kind of falls for the sky. And it's a it's a, it's a a whole thing. Um, it is it is very much silly nonsense, uh, but it's it's fun, silly nonsense. And it's very much in on the joke, uh, which is great. And not like not too in on the joke, but just enough that it, it makes me chuckle. It keeps you in with some pretty good jump scares. Um, and I, I think everybody's kind of fun in it. It was. a But like I said, like I, I'd seen it once when I was sick and I don't know if I really like I, I guess appreciated it because I was just like out of it. But we this is a perfect like with your partner with some wine, turn it on and have a blast. Um and I just I just had a lot of fun watching it. It was at some point available on HBO Max. I don't know if it still is, but of course it's me and I just pulled it off the of shelf. Of course. But um happy death day. And then the next night we did watch Happy Death Day to you, which of course is just like more silly nonsense, but I kinda like that they again they buy into the silly nonsense of it all. Um so yeah, happy death day. That that is my recommendation this
2: week. I love that. And I'm also happy you saw the menu. It's
1: a great movie.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Very much, I very I much. It. It. Yeah, you. I should get on that. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> I know too much. David Lynch. It's on HBO Max. I know. I know. We. I know. Actually, I know. I saw it the other day, and I thought I really do need to watch this. Sort or of like yesterday, but
0: it. Well, it it came. Well, uh, this is all behind the scenes shit, and this is going to be dated. But it because we had to cancel recording last night, I was like, Melissa, do you want to watch this? And we did. And so I was like, Hey, perfect. Yeah. So that, that's what I did with my free time.
1: So you're welcome that I got sick. Th- I guess. Thanks,
0: Britt. I no know. Problem. You're a team player.
2: <laughs>
1: I am. I just knew you really wanted to watch The Menu, so.
0: I, yeah, I kind of
2: did. All right, Brett, what about you?
1: Okay, so I don't know if either of you remember, but a couple of months ago, I sent you both an email, and I just said, have either of you watched this film? And I, I almost put it on my, like, top 2022 20, finds, but I knew I wanted to save it for this movie, or for the, yeah, for this movie, Eraserhead, because it's was such a bizarre experience that I feel like it is it exists in the same world that Eraserhead does. So I am recommending 2022's Mad God by Phil Tibbet. Currently available on Shudder. The plot is difficult to give because I don't want to give too much away but I will say that It's about a person who is lowered into this apocalyptic ironclad hellscape by a diving bell. And this person is only equipped with a map and a gas mask. And though his mission is completely unknown to us, the viewers, he confidently just stealths his way through this nightmarish wasteland filled with gore and rust and cruel monstrosities toward a destination. This is a wild watch. It's a real labor labor of love. Phil Tibbett started this movie back when he was doing RoboCop 2. And then he stopped doing it while he was doing Jurassic Park because he assumed that stop motion was dead. And after it sat on the shelf for about 20 years, he resurrected it. And through crowdfunding, he was able to complete this film in 2021 and finally released it. it. You know, like David Lynch doing Eraserhead. It took a lot of people and a lot of funding that he had to kind of scrape up. And I would just say go into this movie with an open mind. Maybe don't eat dinner before, like while you watch it as I did the first time. <laughs> that was a mistake. But it, it, it is a film that I do think needs to be experienced and needs to be talked about more. I actually haven't seen a lot of rhetoric about it on on like film Twitter, which is disappointing. It's it's really cool and it's um an incredible feat of animation if nothing else. It's really gory, so just be ready for that, but I fucking dug it. It was really cool. So, yeah, Mad God by Phil Tippett, 2022. Shutter.
2: It's also a great name for a movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, you know, it, it moved actually moved up a lot on my on my watch list because I, I like to get the the girls because it's it's me and I'm a dork. Uh, they they we get we get excited when the Oscars come because then we start to catch up on all the movies nominated, including the animated ones. And so we've been trying to like um, like we watched uh, Del Toro's Pinocchio, which we very much enjoyed. We watched Strange World, which was you know we. We mostly enjoyed, um, but we watched, uh, speaking of stop motion, we watched Wendell and Wilde um, on Netflix. No, I did not like, I oh. fucking, I hated that movie. Dang,
1: I haven't watched it yet. I really want oh, to. Oh, sorry, I
0: thought about the like real glowing no, things. I'm like, like oh, no, sorry, no, no, big no. Okay. The, and it's not that, it's not uh, impressive in the stop motion of it all. W- what a year for stop motion, by the way. What, what the fuck happened? It's coming back. <laughs> um, but uh, no, the the plot for Wendell and Wilde is bananas it, it it's all over the place and so like I that's the last stop motion thing I have in my mouth so I'm like no no I gotta I gotta mad god and actually there are some podcasts I listen to and mad god has come up as a a, a recommended film for the year so I, I I need I need to watch it
1: it's an experience the girls should not watch this one
0: no no I definitely won't do that
2: <laughs> I mean I, I watched Pin- the new Pin- del Toro's Pinocchio with my son just think it was Pinocchio and I didn't, and at the end we were laying on the floor and i looked at him he's tearing up he's like daddy i'm sad i'm like yeah yeah that's appropriate i was like i should have watched something else <laughs> 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 but i really enjoyed it he's he what is he, is he like three or four he's turning three in uh three weeks yeah, yeah, I'm not.
0: Uh, Sophie is five, and I think she she just kind of checked out. But Stella, Stella was Stella's eight, and she definitely that's a great age for it. it. She, there, she didn't know exactly who all the people explaining fascism to an eight year old was difficult. Yeah, luckily I, I didn't have to like, do I that. He was just those are bad just like, guys, uh, just like shitty people. Yeah, not good, not good.
2: It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> all right, so my recommend. Um, so it's it's a new movie. I watched it Friday. And before I started, my my little guy, three months old, was a little fussy, so I wanted to engage, so I just picked him up and he fell asleep on me. When it ended, I was sobbing so much I got tears on this poor kid. 2022's After Sun, directed by Charlotte Wells, starring Paul Mascal, Frankie Corio, and Celia Celia Ralston Hall. I loved this movie so much. I was you know, I, I watched it and then I watched it again. Because it's short so it's easy um I, I really got all in in the world and loved it very very much and I feel bad for my son but luckily he slept through it because he's a baby and has no idea <laughs> the b- very bizarre thing I did that night <laughs> but I, I really loved it and um it was even more rewarding the second watch have you guys checked it out yet it's
1: not yet but it's it's on my watch list
0: i mean i i talk about a movie i've only heard good things about yeah and and I'm, i I and i i have i'm in this weird period where i'm like in this holding pattern where i'm i'm not committing to any new movies quite yet because i want to see how the oscars shake out because that inevitably will take up the next like month of movie watching and i know it I i know this movie doesn't have a real shot so I might just watch it sooner than later just to to watch it um but nah I haven't watched it yet man
2: it, it unfortunately doesn't have a real shot and spoiler alert I am going to complain a lot about that because it is great <laughs> <laughs> So I rationally understand that when the nominees come out it's not going to be there and I also very much understand I'm gonna bring it up a lot so it was it was it's great and you know it was something I got worried about the hype you know, someone I knew watched it and, you know, told me how much he loved it. And I was like, and he said, he's like, I don't want to hype, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to hype it up. And it, it lived up to everything I've heard from everybody.
0: Ah, I'm excited.
1: Me too. I'm really excited for that one, though. I am, I historically sob at like everything so i think i'm gonna be a mess the entire movie we re we rewatched titanic this weekend just because we hadn't seen it in a long time i cried the entire sinking i didn't cry during any of the romantic stuff that was stupid but <laughs> when people were sinking i was a mess and my husband was like really brett and i said yes I like, i can't help but cry for all of these poor souls that are dying
2: yeah yeah it happens It gets you. But we transition from Titanic, and we are talking about...
1: <laughs> we can absolutely cut the Titanic shit. Absolutely cut that out.
2: <laughs> no, it's a good transition. But then, but then we, I said we lose the brilliant segue. Right.
1: That's true. That's true.
2: And we're going to 1977, directed by David Lynch, and we're going to Eraserhead. Henry Spencer tries to survive his industrial environment, his angry girlfriend, and the unbearable screams of his newly-born mutant child, starring Henry Spencer, Charlotte Stewart, Judith Robbins, Laurel Neer, Jack Fisk. This film took five years to make. It gained popularity through midnight movies, and it's essentially gained a life of its own. The fact that it's here is something that we're talking about, is, you know, a uh, testament to the cult-following movies can gain. So, I'm happy it's here. (laughs) Um, So, do we think it's in the IMD Top 250? It is not.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't think it was. It, it,
2: this is one, you know, this is just, it's out there. So, no, it is not. Um, it had some awards. In 2004, the National Film Preservation Board in the USA inducted it. So, you know, they're actually trying to save something. That's good. Uh, and then the Avoriaz Fantastic Film Festival, which has not existed in 20 years, David Lynch was nominated for the Grand Prize, which he lost this, but he did win for Blue Velvet later, and he won the Antenna 2 Award. I could not find exactly what that was, but I think it's a directing award from everything I was able to put together from reading about this German obscure festival that lasted from 1973 to
0: 1993. I I, I want to go back to the National Film Registry for a second, because some of the other films that were inducted that year, like... Eraserhead went in the year as four best picture winning films. It went in with Ben Hur, Going My Way, Unforgiven, and Schindler's List, and then and then you have Eraserhead, just like hey,
2: there you go, Going My Way and Eraserhead in the same year is one of the favorite facts that I now have in my head. That's unbelievable. <laughs>
1: It seems totally appropriate to me. I don't know what you're talking oh about. Oh my god!
0: I mean, when I think of when I think of a racer head, I think of I think of Bing Crosby, right? I mean, it just it's really just of how course, it, of
1: course.
2: Yeah. It's Bing Crosby singing well, us in. Also, the-
1: wasn't a very good dad, as far as I've heard. So
2: he was a great dad. Bing Crosby was great at everything. <laughs> we will hear no slander.
0: <laughs> Wait, isn't there isn't there a Family Guy bit? Where like it's like it's like a it's, a, it's like one of the weird flashbacks and big Crosby like if you beat your kid with a bag of oranges yep. it won't leave a bruise yep. or
2: something. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> like it is.
0: <laughs> wow this is too early to be going off the rails already this is it's not a good razor
1: head we were off the rails from oh, the beginning what are you I love talking it. about I, love I
2: think it. if you're not off the rails on a razor head you're in the wrong place so I was yep. I was looking for reviews. I cannot find any old reviews. All the reviews I found were very modern and very much people who have Lynch's full filmography at their helm. So it all felt just hindsight. And I really looked for something. Listen, I knew I was going to find something from 77, but in the 80s when, you know, like Blue Velvet came out, I was thinking maybe something would pop up, but I had zero luck.
0: There is... um so i again so i I have the criterion it's it's just littered with with special features. There's an interview that was done in nineteen seventy nine and some some random guy was interviewing him and I think the second cinematographer um and they're on location where they shot, and this guy is reading Lynch reviews that people have written about the movie and like trying to gauge his reaction and um he handles them all really well like and and these reviews are are not very nice. I think he even lists the one from variety where they say, um uh, it's a sickening bad taste exercise. um and he just kept reading and Lynch was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty good or would, like just like was just so nonchalant about it. um but yeah, uh, anything you could find were really, really not great. I'm sure,
2: but yeah, so unfortunately nothing there. but things we did find. Do we like lists?
0: Brittany, are you coming around to lists?
1: Um I, I will I'll defer to Adam on this one.
0: Well, I, I, I love lists. Um I use lists. Lists are uh they're an important part of my life. I'm gonna be honest.
2: I also love lists, and while I respect Brit's resistance to them, I think it's time we indoctrinate lists a bit. I'm gonna ask for weekly lists. <laughs>
1: They're just going to be full of chaos if you need to get lists from me. It's just going to be a jumble of words on a page, I promise.
2: There's no wrong I'll way. i happily
1: to, give you that. I'm not
2: saying there's a wrong way or a right way to list.
1: <laughs> I think there is in this case, and it's not a jumble of words on a list on like a piece of paper that doesn't make any sense.
2: As long as it makes sense to you, that's all that matters. <laughs> but what I did do, everywhere I kept going in my research... Kept coming up. The Premier Magazine's 25 Most Dangerous Movies Ever Made. I, I kind of saw it in, the, you know, the IMDb mentions it. But like three different reviews I read talked about it. So I looked at the list and there's some other movies that the three of us have talked about, will talked about, or are circling. So you know what? I said screw it. And I went to, the, I'll go through it quick. The Premier Magazine's 25 Most Dangerous Movies. So this is their description of it. There are movies about which you could say, that's not entertainment. They're not rides or divisions. They're galvanizing experiences that place squarely in your face all the stuff Hollywood presumes you go to the movies to get away from. Films that rearrange your head, that challenge your bedrock ideas about life and love and the big sleep. Consciousness expanders, in other words, but rarely in a pleasant way. Thank God for them. So, number 25, Bonnie and Clyde. 1967. 24, Boys Don't Cry, 1999. 23, In the Company of Men, 1997. 22, Dead Ringers, which we spoke about in the Lighthouse episode. David Cronenberg, 1988. Number 21, what we're talking about tonight, Eraserhead. Feels too low on the list. Yeah. 20, Gimme Shelter, 1970. 19, Happiness, 1998. 18, oof. Jesus.
1: Oh, oh no. <laughs> I, I just think that should be struck from everything. We don't need to watch that movie.
2: Uh, so it belongs. Number 18, Bad Lieutenant, 1992. Number 17, an episode we've already done, M, 1931. Number 16, Once Upon a Time in the West, 1968. Number 15, A Clockwork Orange, number 71. Number 14, Repulsion, 1965. Number 13. I have not seen that. Me neither. Me neither. I actually re- put that on my list today because I realized I haven't seen it. Number 13, an Adam favorite, Requiem for a Dream, 2000. And I'm so glad Adam put Required it. Required viewing. I agree.
0: Required viewing.
2: I'm so happy you put it on your top 10 because I was bummed out at it myself for not fitting it in, and you were correct, and I agreed with everything you said. Go listen, folks. <laughs> Number 12, Reservoir Dogs, 92. Number 11, The Sweet Hereafter, 1997. Number 10, Taxi Driver, 1976. Number 9, something we will be talking about next week on the, two weeks on the rankings, Blue Velvet, 1986. Number 8, The Always Calm, Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark from 2000.
1: Mm. Oh. I have a lot of opinions about Lars von Trier. Mm.
2: As you should. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't... they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, Freaks, nineteen thirty-two. Number six, Peeping Tom, nineteen sixty. Number five, a f- genuine favorite of mine, The Lost Weekend, nineteen forty-five. Uh, Number four, Natural Born Killers, nineteen ninety-four. Number three, Romper Stomper from nineteen ninety two. Have you seen Romper Stomper? No,
1: I have not. No.
0: That's the uh, that's the Russell Crowe Australian skinhead movie. Um, it's really oh. early in his career, but he yeah. It's I mean, it, it's it's it, it's like akin to our American History X. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay, that that makes sense.
1: I don't know if I can get into that headspace right like I I'm not sure I need to see that film, you know.
2: Yeah. That that's a post-Lynch rewatch <laughs> movie. When you're watching Happy yeah. Things, you could sneak that yeah. in. Number <laughs> <laughs> maybe? <laughs> number 2, Un chien andalou from 1929, and number uh, 1 uh, pre- previous uh, episode of the show. Yeah. I know, I went to look and I was like, oh, you guys already covered that, so I gotta go back and listen. And number one, Weekend, 1967. The, is that Truffaut? Uh, Goddard. Goddard, okay. All right, okay. Yeah, it was an interesting list because, you know, they could talk about most dangerous, so I was like, all right, where, where are you guys? So, seeing Lost Weekend in number five, I didn't expect, but it's an interesting list and I've seen more of them than... You know, if it's a dangerous list and I've seen that, probably 20 of them. I don't know what that says about me, but I think you two have seen more than me, so that makes me feel better.
1: I think it's missing a couple, but I also would strike happiness off of, like, any list because I just don't think that's even required viewing. I think that's just throw out and let's not discuss viewing.
0: Oof, that is a tough fucking movie. It's a really tough <laughs> movie. I'll never and, forget and watching one of those that.
1: watches where uh, I'm like... Is there a point to it? Like, it, should we be watching this? I don't know. If you like it, good for you. I'm glad. It's just for me, it pissed me off so much.
0: No, that's... that's, that's it got that's, a reaction. That's a genuine reaction. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> right. Like, and that's probably the
1: reaction it's supposed to have, but it was is so visceral for me. It'd be Like, maybe we're not doing this podcast anymore if you were super pumped <laughs> after uh, Happiness.
2: So now, my friends, it is time... To get into the movie, we are here to talk about today, Head. And this movie starts you off so off-kilter, I don't even know how to dive in, because you're just off-center, literally, with Henry, just on your side, all screwy. So where do we want to start, guys?
1: Okay, I have a question for both of you. Yeah. If that's all right. I love yes. it. Do you remember the first time you watched Eraserhead?
0: Well yeah, I do. Um, Was it recent? Well no it wasn't for this. It wasn't this wasn't the first view. Uh but I did uh, and this is a perfect time to bring up. Uh so we we did cover the elephant man uh on the show. Um uh, we did that uh we, when we were doing our decade by decade thing, and that was our 1980 film, uh, we had another actor from Seattle on. M.J. Seabour came, and we, and we didn't rank Lynch's films, um, but we definitely talked a lot about them. And I wanted to try to get the full scope. So, however many years ago that was, I watched Eraserhead for the first time, um, and because I wasn't like taking notes on it or anything, it was a genuine just kind of watch. And uh, I, I was, I was definitely flabbergasted and and uh wish i had done some research some scouting some some kind of delving into the world before having watched it uh because i I definitely walked away going i i I don't i don't know i don't know man and so and and so and then uh, you know this this week of sort of being in it and immersed uh i you know it's I I have feelings, but uh, yeah. So my first watch was only
2: uh, only a few years ago. Yeah, mine too. I, in college, I, I for a, a class I took, we watched a Clockwork Orange, and then a- the people I watched it with afterwards, the one of the the persons who has to be at it put on a racer head, but it was distracting, so I, I can't count that as a watch. So a few years ago, I got back into it, and just you know, it popped up in my purview, so I checked it out and. was like oh this wasn't what i expected
1: (laughs) my first viewing of this film was when i was 17 i uh my uncle had been giving me movies um old movies movies he thought i'd like um and they were all definitely legally um legal movies he wasn't like burning these cds for me or anything like that uh these dvds but i had friends over and um I was like, "Oh, I've heard Eraserhead is really fucked up. Do you guys want to watch it?" And so, um at my sleepover, we watched Eraserhead. Um and I I'm pretty notorious for bringing bad movies over to sleepovers. Like, um <laughs> I brought uh, I brought funny games over to a friend's house once to watch. So, Oh,
2: perfect. That's I a know, great I know. sleepover so, movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, we watched Eraserhead. And everybody else wanted to turn it off. And I kept saying, no, 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 we need to keep going. We have to just watch the whole thing. And by the end of it, I think all of my friends had left to just go do other things. And I was just sitting there watching this film. I had no idea what was happening on screen. I didn't even know if I liked it, but I was really, really involved in it because I thought the imagery was so interesting and it um, it felt like such a nightmare to me. And after that is when I decided I have to watch more David Lynch. And uh, that's when I started watching Twin Peaks. And Twin Peaks is my favorite series ever. I I talk about it all the time. I I will always love Twin Peaks. And so this was literally uh, my first David Lynch experience. And he is one of my favorite directors. So it was strange. It was strange to rewatch it now as a 33-year-old woman and go, whoa, this is how how at 17 was i okay with any of this imagery cuz i didn't understand what any of it was now going into it i kind of thought this is one of the densest movies i've seen and also one of the most surface level movies at the same time somehow but, but at 17 i had no idea what was going on but yeah no i saw it at 17 really enjoyed it i think i might have scared a few of my friends but uh Former friends. But it was good so Former friends, yeah. Well, I'm not friends with anybody from high school really anymore, so. Oh,
2: that's less funny. I was making a joke about your movie choices. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I I think it's an interesting thing because, you know, kind of what Adam said with the way he watched the way I did. The first watch, it's impossible to grasp or gather even your thoughts because it's so unsettling and just the, the, the music just throws you so, it just makes you so uncomfortable the entire time, like. After watching it it's like you what did i just watch but i want to watch it again. Yeah. It's it's, well, it's a and, dark and awful world to be in.
1: It's a, it's a horrible world, this world that seems similar to ours but i'm not even sure it's supposed to be our world. You know, i think it's it's one of those ones. It's kind of like in Lynchian movies anyways. Their worlds that ex- seem to exist near ours, but aren't quite right for some reason. And this, I think, is the most obvious. Oh, this this is n- near us, but it's not really Earth. This isn't really where we're from, is it? And so it's like you're looking in on something completely alien to you. Well, what what was is it, so, The Uncanny
2: Valley, right? Things that are so close yes. to it that it's uncomfortable. That's almost where you get like this. Yes. These, right? you know, is is are you watching something that's real or is this all Henry's dreams or how much of it is Henry's dreams but it's it's there but it's not that it's just at no point are you able to get grounded in it which makes for an interesting watch but it also you really have to pay like extra it's hard to take notes during this movie because of that
0: yeah, I found myself the first time taking notes. I had my laptop and I was almost just like writing down a sequence of events. That's what I did. Like I almost had no opinions the first time. It was just like, OK, and he's sideways and we've got like a James Bond esque pan across because it's kind of what it looked like to me. And then uh, he's walking into his apartment, you know, and like things like that. So watching it today was was way more I, I don't wanna use the word fun, but it was it was a lot more like, okay, I'm only I'm gonna take notes when like ideas strike me. It was less like wrapping my mind around like the beginning, middle, and end of it all, because that with this movie, that's really just gonna that's just a world of hurt for you. So so like it, like you this is like I, I I generally feel like every movie should be watched twice. To, for you to really get Agreed. it and now uh, now your happiness is aside you know um <laughs> uh that, doesn't like, even I, need one watch <laughs> sorry i had that was that was just too perfect to not it bring is that. it um, really worked but uh but like this is this was uh like watching it kind of so close together um that second watch was a lot more uh it, it gave me more room to experience it i i, I will say
2: yeah i, I had a similar My first, when I read through my notes after the first watch, I was like, oh, I just transcribed this movie. There's not a thought in my (laughs) head. I was just pretty much just typing as we went. So then after I sat through, I kind of broke things down, wrote ideas. And then when I watched again, I just watched it and just added things in. And it it was much calmer. Got to just be in the world more. Got to get in the radiator.
1: I've started, when I watch movies now, I will watch them twice. And the first time I watch, I don't take any notes. So I can just take it in. And then I'll watch it a second time and take my notes. And I had thought like, oh, I've, I've seen this movie so many times. I don't want to, I don't think I'm, I'll just take notes the first time. And I stopped probably about as soon as we were done with the this strange opening that's, I don't know, Henry having sex and what he thinks about when he's having sex, which is really confusing, sperm falling and mercury, who knows. Um, But I, I stopped because I wanted to just experience the film. And then the second time I took notes because I do think this is a very difficult movie to... You really have to sit in it, right? Like the things that are happening on screen, I even paused so that I could look something up because I thought if I don't do this now, I'm going to forget because even if it's in my notes, I'm not going to be able to, to remember to follow this train of thought, you know, like with the small atom bomb in the, back, uh, in the background of his apartment, why is that there? Who is Jack Fisk? All, you know, all of that stuff. I think this movie is so, it's difficult to take notes on. It's difficult to sit and watch and try to comprehend at the same time. There's too much going on. There's, there are too many things to decipher.
0: Well, and and in a way, and I I definitely got, and I'm I'm totally just name dropping films that we've already, that we've covered on the show in the past. Um, but I definitely got strong Brazil and a Wrath of God vibes. Whereas, not only are there a lot of thematic elements to the to the movie, and they're very much open to interpretation, but the story of how the film got made and its process is is just as if not more interesting than the film itself um and and like the fact that this movie took so long to make is just incredible and there's there's just so much out there about his experience with the afi and getting the fellowship and i mean it's it's I don't even know even how much how far you want to go down that path, but it's uh there's just so much information out there about and Sissy
2: SpaceX is sponsoring it essentially at points with the man in the planet.
1: Yeah. And
2: I mean she she helped out. Yeah, she stepped yeah. up. And the fact that he lived in um Henry's room for a year and the commitment of Henry to keep that hairstyle for five years and then never want to talk about what it means and tell people they're taking it too seriously is just an amazing dichotomy of person that is the person you need to play this role
1: well and and I I love the fact that uh Catherine Coulson was who was Jack Fisk's uh, or, or not Jack Fisk Jack Nance's wife at the time better known as the log lady from uh Twin Peaks she actually did his hair for four years that way and she said that when because I watched interviews with her she's incredibly lovely how it was not the same. She's like, oh, I noticed the last time I watched it, it. It didn't keep between shots. It's always different, you know, but they tried. And the the behind the scenes is so fascinating to this movie. One of the things that I really loved was the fact that David Lynch was really dedicated to paying the people every week for their time, um, trying to keep up a semblance of like, oh, I'm paying you for your work, even though there's no way he could have been on top of paying them, Hourly for the things that they were doing, but it was a labor of love from basically a full family together. They all worked on this and loved it and and wanted it to succeed. They didn't think it would, but they tried, you know. And I thought that was really beautiful listening to them discuss it after the fact and how it was such a a lovely experience for them.
0: Well, and 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 so much. I mean, it, it was funny to listen to you know. David Lynch and Jack Nance talk about their like rivaling paper routes that they had in order to and they would leave set to do it and come back. Um, but like the just the literal I mean, you know, fucking Lynch Lynch went through a divorce. Yeah. While the film was being made. Um, we'll talk more about this probably next week with him. But like that man has been married more than I realized. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is just um but yeah uh so no i mean just just yeah the 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 labor of love and and the fact that this had it it had the support from a reputable institution like the american film institute
1: yeah someone saw something in david lynch and his m- movie that wasn't even really a script it was 20 pages and well
0: and that's so uh god damn i love the criterion collections and almost all of them come with excerpts from the lynch on lynch book uh by i don't want to get the name right i almost screwed it up is it chris rodney chris rodley by chris rodley um and uh and there's so much about like lynch you know and obviously this is all in hindsight he, he's got like uh, he's all the way through at least lost highway by the time you know he's giving these interviews um and, uh, you know, having this much time to, to basically giving the freedom to do it. Um, but I love because we were talking about like the lack of a script. I just I just love how he said this. He goes, certain things are just so beautiful to me and I don't know why certain things make so much sense and it's hard to explain. I felt a racer head. I didn't think it. And like that, like it's almost like you need you need to have that sentence in mind before watching the movie, because if Absolutely. you're going to try to think eraser head, like my first viewing for this, you're just like, ah, OK, cool. I don't know.
1: You do truly have to feel the experience. It, it has to be visceral. It has to be something that's that kind of comes from within. Right. You can't sit there and try to overanalyze it. And that's one thing that I found going into this. There are so many people who have so many opinions about this film. And they're awesome opinions. I really enjoy watching people try to dissect this movie. But I did leave this movie thinking, do we really think that Eraserhead needs an explanation? Because it feels like a lot of people do, which is fine. But I I don't think I need an explanation for Eraserhead. I have my own ideas of what it could mean but I'm perfectly happy for it to just sit as this obscure piece of art in front of me that runs an hour and a half
2: and it's a passion project that works and I think the fact that he hasn't spent the last so what is that 45 years talking about what it meant makes it so much more enriching because it's You take your experiences into it, right? So, and I think the most obvious theme is there is anxiety over fatherhood, right? Like, I don't think anyone's debating that. Like, his daughter's spoken about it. But there's so much other stuff and, you know, looking at isolation and what that does to a person and abandonment and, you know, all those different themes that are there are and how much they're there. So, what does it mean that his head turns into his son and then an eraser? I don't know but I'd
1: like to talk about it and I'm excited too. But so we, I've come up with a thing for that. I have actually come up with what I think it might mean, but um, we will talk about the eraser head scene when we get to the eraser head scene. But I I thought about it a lot today and I was trying to explain it to my husband. He was like, just stop. Wait for the podcast. I said, okay. Okay. Save it for the pod. Save it for the the pod.
2: pod. (laughs) It's the most important thing we can do. So we, we start in the bizarre world where Henry's sideways, the spermatozoan is coming out of his mouth, the man in the planets pulling levers, and then we meet the full Henry looking over his shoulder and just emotionless but scared and concerned all at the same time and just walking through the most personalityless, hor- horrible place with the most unsettling concerning music they could have thought of. And I, it's such an interesting way to start a movie because at that point you might be fully out. Maybe you're fully out, but if you're in and you're ready to go into watch whatever the hell you're about to watch for the next hour and 20 minutes, you're in on it.
0: Well, that, that room tone that, that the ambient sound is score is I think one of the reasons why this movie works as well as it does. Um, and and Lynch, I mean, in everything that I've been reading and seeing, like Lynch just is like I, I like industry, I, I like it, I like sounds, I like I like electricity, I was like just, cool dude, and like and like it really is, and and you we'll know, talk about this more with 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 the ranking episode, but like, it, I feel like he's really only gotten a few chances to just world build and let it and like let us kind of be in it despite it being a real world or not and how much we feel like we can access it. Um, but this is one where he, he pretty much just sets up where, I mean, it's like, it's 11 minutes before I think anybody actually speaks, uh, in the movie. Um, and, and so we just, yeah, we just get to see this area. Um, I don't, I don't want to move past the, uh, the opening, like him walking around thing. Uh, bec- and I think, I think we should just throw out wild takes as we, or not, I mean, not wild, but like, so, um, Considering that we know now, you know, we, we've seen the movie a few times and we know that there's going to be this reveal that Mary is pregnant and that's going to come out. Right. Um, and I couldn't help but think about uh, I, I, the, the carelessness of men. Um, and that's a big, broad generalization. But there's a moment when he's he's walking through this area and he steps in a puddle and the it, it's not a small puddle. It's very much right there. Very avoidable puddle. But he steps puddle. in it. Very avoidable puddle. And uh, he's kind of like, yeah, all right. And then just keeps going about his day. And there was something up, like, and on this second view, where I'm like, this if and it, again, we've got to be in a world where we accept that 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 Mary's pregnant and that it, it's his, and that this this interesting looking child that they have, like that that that's that's all this world. But just kind of connecting it to like just the plain like. Obliviousness that certain, and I, I not men necessarily people, but like in this world, just like the way that, um not knowing that she was pregnant or whatever, like I just I just gotta like that the him stepping in the puddle that was right there said a lot about I feel like where his character was going to oh. go for the, for the rest of the movie.
1: It sets his character up. It really does. It shows that he is blissfully unaware of the situation he has put somebody else in. We have no idea the trauma that Mary's had to go through carrying this child and then birthing this child prematurely. If it, e- if it even is a child, as she says uh, later on, they don't know. And he he's just going about his life being unhappy with, with his situation, unaware that it's going to get way worse because um, he is thrown into reluctant fatherhood and husbandness whatever being a husband uh but i I think it really does show the um i really think it shows him as just an unaware type of guy
2: he's he's just such a passenger in life right like he has no agency it's just right foot in front of the other he's not going to avoid the puddle because that's just what's there and when he finds out mary's pregnant it's you know so he hasn't seen her oh you haven't been around for a while how premature was this baby (laughs)
0: Well, and and there's there's and then there's a really a really interesting moment where he's in his apartment, um, and he opens the drawer, and so there there are two things that happen in in, in this in this moment where obviously he's her picture has been ripped, mm-hmm. which I again assumptions have to be made, but it's like uh, maybe he's not the biggest fan of her anymore, maybe things didn't go so well. I don't I don't know. I I don't. If I if I had a ripped up picture of somebody in my in my home, I guarantee would would have been ripped because I'm not a fan of that person. Right. Um, you don't rip for joy. But then, yeah, yeah I love you. Um, but uh, and 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 I'm gonna be honest. I don't I don't know you. Maybe this is a, a thing that you all caught. But then I so the first time when he opens the drawer and there's like a bowl of water, and some coins, and at first I was just again like, when I'm clocking this way too logically. I'm like ah cool. I don't know what that means. But then I thought about not only not only the obliviousness, but you, you said blissfully ignorant, but the the childlike quality of him um, that it seen, And again, this is my like that. He has his own like wishing well and that he's putting coins into this water as if he can somehow. Ah, here's I, here's my little wish. And then he shuts it because there are coins in there and there are co- and there are plenty of coins still to be thrown in. And I'm like, is, is this guy like thinking that he can just wish his way out of. or like you know just like "Ah, i want this and like i'll make my little wish i don't know and again i don't know if that's what the intention was but the second this viewing today i was like that's that's again so many interesting choices
2: but you know that would go with someone who just lets kind of life happen to them right like just like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna make wishes and this is gonna happen right it's like the person who's like yeah, and I've never worked in my life before, but I want, to, I want to be a manager. But I'm not going to apply for a job. Somebody will call me with a job. Just that like hopeful optimism that's just always going to fail. And someone like Henry is just, just there. I mean, can, can we talk about how he has a lot of houseplants but no pots? Because I love that so much.
1: He has a lot of dead houseplants. He is of not course. a nurturing person. He cannot no. keep a plant house plant alive.
2: But no pots, just the gall of that. I love it so much. It's such a, a perfect visual, and it's just so lost in the background that because I didn't catch that the first time or two I watched that, and then I saw it, and I'm like, oh, I love that, and I just clock it every time because it's it's amazing. You're of course, it's going like to go poorly house. for Henry. <laughs>
1: like, of course, you can't keep a single plant alive.
0: This is why our house is full of fake plants.
1: Yeah, I try. I got a really beautiful monstera for, for Christmas, and my dad looked at it and he goes, oh, you've just signed its death warrant to my sister-in-law. And I was like, thanks, Dad. Thank you. I'm going to try. Her name's Medusa. She's going to die. But I'll try real hard to keep her alive.
2: Maybe since you named her, there'll be more commitment to it.
1: I have named every single one of my plants, and they have all died.
2: <laughs> so you and Henry would get along.
1: Yep, yep me and henry oh god no we would not oh excuse i'm offended now
0: <laughs> oh. uh, i we're going to talk way more about this next time when we do the lynch ranking but I, I do feel the need to bring up and i i won't delve too far ahead but uh this also like not just the the world that feels like ours but but quite isn't but i love the way that he also really in a lot of his movies kind of addresses the idea of the <laughs> of the the nuclear family or the like the, the the quote unquote like um the like 50s american family right you know you know uh, what's uh,
2: that what's you know, the magazine car in every garage and, yeah
0: and um and so that that dinner when he goes over to mary's is it's like in every way something like like there is not a single moment of it that makes sense or feels right like there's 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 nothing there's and if you've made it to the dinner, like I, I could, I could see like people being turned off. Oh, there's not a lot of dialogue. Oh, I don't know what's going on. But then if you, if you make it to the dinner scene and, and you get through it and you're done, like, I like that's a real, like that's, that's a, test. a checkout moment. Yeah. Like once, once you cutting it, the chicken. Uh, yeah. That, the and like, honestly, I didn't have too many blatant, like what the fuck, but like the chicken thing, come like what? Like the fact that it moved was one thing, but then like, it, oh man, I don't, I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay. So I actually do have a theory about the blood with the chicken. Yeah. Um. So he is being thrust into, and what you were saying before about the 1950s, I think is like spot on, especially because it's like the, the, the destruction of the nuclear family and of the, of the American dream basically. Right. What he's, sure. what we're all told is what we want in our lives. When really some of us would choose not to follow that route. But with the the blood and the chicken, so Henry, that is my favorite scene. BT Dubs, like I, I love that scene. It's the most Lynchian scene of anything, and I'm talking about Lynchian and the way that uh, uh, David Foster Wallace described Lynchian, which is a particular kind of irony where the very macabre and the very mundane combine in such a way as to reveal the former's perpetual containment within the latter. It's very all over the place. And I will talk more about that again in the next episode because I, wrote, wrote, I read a whole essay on it. But OK, the blood in this. Um, Henry, I keep wanting to call him Jack. His his name in the show is Henry. So it, Henry is thrust into a position that he does not want to be. He doesn't want to be the head of a household, right? He's not opposed to it, but it's not something that he's ready for. So he's asked to carve this, this uh, chicken and he already feels uncomfortable doing it. He has to ask like, oh, do I just carve it like a regular chicken? And then it starts to move and it starts to bleed. Blood in in fiction is signifies both life and death, kind of like the, uh, like the death card in tarot. It doesn't necessarily mean you are going to die, but it does signify the death of something. So this I think is signifying the death of Henry as a person who is by himself without a family um, to, because of the very next scene, he finds out he has a, a child, right? So, so I think this is specifically showing us Henry's death and he's watching it happen and there's nothing he can do to stop him.
2: That makes sense because, I mean, I, I, I was, I was trying to connect it to premature births. I was going all over the place that I couldn't fully connect to. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. Why, why didn't they invite poor grandma to dinner and just leave her sitting in the kitchen?
0: No, 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 no. She's where she wants to be. Don't, don't you worry about her. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't good.
1: want a part of this this bonkers family. She's. she just I, wants the to ex, smoke ex a family. Cigarette.
2: The ex that she doesn't want to hang out with them. With,
0: like, like when when the mom makes like uses her hands to do the salad. I'm like, oh, okay, I get this. But oh, no. then when we just come back and there's magically a cigarette. There I was like choice. I was just like, that's perfect. That's amazing.
2: It, it was glorious and why I'm particular about eating people's food. I was so upset by that. I was like, oh, poor Henry, he doesn't know what he's talk what he's getting into with these people. but I, I, this is where the dot you know before this the really the only dialogue is the line from the neighbor. The stunted deliveries is just so, again, it just adds to everything that's like, they watched people try to be people, so now they're going to try to be people too. Like, it's like three steps removed from humans. Just be, like, the delays. Like, I don't even know how you do that. How, like, right? Like, how do you pace that out? Because it's just so awkward and uncomfortable.
0: I mean, it, 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 but it really leans into... I mean pick pick an ism from the 20s, 30s, forties it it's surrealism. I mean, yeah, I know I know his company's name is absurda, but uh but like it's it's anything that takes that takes the the normal and just like changes it a little bit so and that's why you know that that, that like if we've already mentioned the uncanny Valley, the things that feel so familiar but just don't they just aren't in this one that 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 paced out delivery really it just really adds to it.
1: And it's something that he's continued with throughout his career. I mean, it's, it, it is something that we can pinpoint as a, a, something that is Lynchian, is, is that. And it's such, Lynchian is such an overused word, and I know that, but we're talking about a Lynch movie. Obviously, we're going to use the term because it makes sense here.
2: And it's just, you're, and I, you know, this, this was in the con- running for my favorite scene. It's not, but so much happens, and so I get it, but the dad is so good and so bad at the same time. Like his, you know, asking someone to cut the meat at someone, you know, for everyone, it's their house. They're, they're, you know, there's some pressure to that, right? But the way he like leans over him, it's just also boundaryless.
1: Okay, I-, I have a, I have a question about the this scene. Um, he talks a lot about plumbing. And about he is... You know, he put all the pipes in here and he watched this whole place go from pastures to the industrial hellscape that it is now. Um, and, And is saying things like they think that it just shows up there, you know, willy nilly or whatever he says. And the second time I was watching it, I was like, is he talking about his family? Is he actually talking about his daughter, how he did everything for this family and for his daughter and she ended up pregnant with this random, is it a child? and and does he feel like i don't know it was just one of those things that came that i didn't really look into before then and i was just wondering your opinion about that if you thought that maybe his whole speech was actually about the desolation decimation of his own family through this act that happened
2: yeah i so i looked at more as the just the pass passivity of people just things happen and all of a sudden you know it's lovely green lush farmland to 30 foot concrete walls with no personality and it just happens by people just doing you know small things that now just take over and now it's awful. And he was just talking about how See, unhappy and, he was.
0: And and what's great is like so part of part of my reading on it was this idea of like the accepting of your in-laws and that it like everybody's in-laws are like, oh fuck, my mother in law is, duh, she's a real whatever, and like, like, and he, that's him, that's his thing. He, he's, he's the talker. He, he says the things, and I, I just, uh, my favorite moment with him is when Mary and the mom leave, and there's that long silence, and, and his response is, well, Henry, what do you know? It's just, it just feels like one of those, like, oh yeah, I guess I'm meeting my in laws now, and, 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 but I, like, what's, and that's part of what Lynch talks about, and part of what we're doing is like. None of those are right or wrong. (laughs) They're just just the vibes that we
2: got from the seed. And I think that's why this is so much fun to talk about, because as everyone's saying this, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But I also still agree with me. But, oh, man, but, yeah, that's right. (laughs) But, you know, and it goes back to, you know, adding your original point about the families. And I'm like, oh, that does, as the family grows, what it looks like and how how as unprepared as Henry is, and we're probably seeing his death there, Mary's the least prepared for anything. I don't... The least culpable character in movies?
1: I feel so bad for Mary. She obviously does not want to be in this situation. And, I mean, we got to think of the time that it came out during, right? Like, they started making this film before Roe v. Wade was enacted. So... And David Lynch's own child was born in 1968, before abortion was something that you could find legally and safely in the United States. That obviously has a huge impact on this entire film. So you have to assume that, uh, you don't have to assume anything. I assume, personally, that this is a similar place where if Mary were pregnant, she would not have access to a safe Sanitary abortion that was legal as well. So she had to go through with this no matter what kind of like, you know, maybe David Lynch would have chosen to still have a child out, you know, without meaning to, but he didn't have a choice. He and his wife did not have choice. I believe they both called themselves reluctant parents. So I feel so bad for Mary because she never had a choice. Like, we all know that if you have sex, there is a, a good chance you could have a baby from having sex. So that's why we take precautions. That's why birth control exists. And the, f- but it just doesn't seem like Mary had those options. And that as a as a person who who has a uterus, that's really, really difficult to watch. And I feel so bad for her. And I just I wish she had more of a choice because she's she's just kind of screwed. Right. She, she she has to do it now
2: and mary really makes one choice the entire time we know her
1: which is to abandon her family
2: <laughs> but she made a choice it's an awful yeah. choice but and, she made it
0: and uh there is but she also like there's one of the most like i i i human moments like 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 real like not lynchian human but like human moments is when she she yells at the, the kid to shut up. Now I don't. Now, now here's what I'll say. I'm, I've never gotten that close to my child and yelled that, but I definitely know what it feels like to be like being and be like, oh, just shut up, just shut up. And not so much when I had. And and here's and this is the the thing too. Like we're bringing our personal experiences into this because like when I had one, never had that problem. The second I had two. It was like, fuck the world and fuck you. And like, it was just, it just became incredibly more difficult to do anything. Um, And uh, you, you start to really lose the sense of like, you're not you anymore. You, you are you in relation to your kids. And like, that's part of it. And so when she got up at it, not just yelled at but got up and like yelled at that, like that, that was like that, that hit in here. That hit my soul when she did that. <laughs>
2: yeah i I related to that a lot more this time around with two because man when you're trying to put one to bed and you know a significant other is out and the other one's crying somewhere else and this one's crying that they want more time and you just feel pulled in two impossible directions and you feel awful and you just want to yell at something but you can't because you know we're cop you know we're parents who cope But you still feel so and you just and then you see someone who doesn't have tools. It's like, oh, yeah, no, uh, that's that's sad. But, yeah, she's screaming and it's hard. And if you are not ready, my Lord, I don't know how the hell you do it. Because you feel torn. And then you feel guilty for two days. And
0: and that's what I think is so great about the neighbor. Like the neighbor is not just that. I mean, sure. I mean, she can be whatever, like a, a sexual fantasy of Henry's as well but but she to me was more representative of anything like oh i want to i'd like to go out and i'd like to go grab a beer and, but so because i'll you, t- my favorite scene is when he tries to leave and he can't because the baby keeps crying that is absolutely my and then when he turns eventually turns back and it's fucking just like oh you are sick um that's my favorite scene uh because again like and to me this was it was one of the moments in the movie where i felt like this is lynch being lynch but i'm getting the like for me like i get the direct like what it is to be a parent like you just boy i'd sure love to go do anything but be a parent right now but i can't do it uh and it just felt like really really
2: spot on yeah i reluctantly chose that as my favorite scene because i didn't <laughs> I didn't want to because it it hit the nail on the head a little too close, but I I was like, damn. But he did the right thing. Then he came in and tried to take care of the kid with as little ability as he's able to, right? So, yeah, that is also my favorite scene because he thinks he's going. He finally gets on that jacket that at no point do we see get cleaned. And then he has to turn right back. And that poor kid...
1: Can can we tell which of the three of us is not a parent? Because uh, my favorite scene was the dinner scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, as a person who like actively has made the choice to not become a parent. Uh, it was something my husband and I discussed before we got married. We're, we probably will not have children. And it's... It's still difficult for me to watch those scenes like when he is walking to abandon his child. I I do have a visceral reaction to it because I'm like, that's still a child. Like it's still a baby. You don't leave a fucking baby by itself. And the scene where she screams at the baby. It's still a baby. It may not look like a baby, but it's still a baby. Don't scream at it. Um, But again, I've never been in that situation. I have only helped people in that situation. I'm able to to give said child baby back and leave the situation. So I don't have that same experience. Um, From from what I I see, I think you both seem like fantastic dads. Um, Absolutely not Henry dads. So that's a good thing. No,
2: I'm very lucky that my wife is the best person in the world so I'm able to do things and she's able to do things so we split it up so there's still some identity there
0: I I, I'm so I was glad you mentioned um the the way that he kind of does his best to to care for the child when he realizes that 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 it's sick um because I think this plays again whether it's intentional or not the way it plays into sort of uh gender norms with um Caring, because like I like I I remember being in college and being sick and being like, Mom, I know you're 45 minutes away. Can you come and please make me soup? And just like like I just like I want my mom. I like like and so like when I have to take care of the kids, it's like a holy shit. Kids, we're, let's all just buckle up because like and like for for instance, this is the true story. So a couple of years ago, uh, I took my kids to the playground. You know, I'm a good dad, of course. right? It's summer. I'm take That's what to the you program. do. That's the best. And, and my oldest fell off of something and she started crying. And she's holding her arm, like her forearm. And I'm like, okay, well, w- what happened? She's explaining it to me and she's just bawling. I'm like, okay, so, Stell, like, do we, do we need to go to the hospital or are you okay? She goes, no, I think I'm okay. So I'm like, okay, you're fine. So now in the car, she's holding her arm and she's still kind of crying. And, of course, I'm like, Stell, you said you were fine. Like, are you fine or not? Do we need to go to the hospital? She's like, No, we don't need to go. So it's later in the day. Melissa comes home, and Stella kind of just let, like, just lets it out, just like, just starts crying and crying and crying and crying. Uh, and I had plans to hang out with with a neighbor friend of mine, so I do that. I'm doing that, and uh, Melissa goes, I'm taking her to the doctor because I don't know what's going on. And sure enough, her fucking arm was broken, and I just didn't, just didn't do it. Because, and I don't, like, I'm not making this a male-female thing. I'm really making this about me. But, like, my experience was, like, of course my wife, who was, a, who was a woman, just knew to do it. And I fucking did not. And so watching this scene of him, like, uh, here's a humidifier. You're, you're good. Like, I was like, fuck. I mean, he, he's trying. That's the thing. He's doing his best, this guy.
1: That tiny humidifier. I got to say, so though, also, cute. your daughter, quite tough.
0: yeah yeah i actually believe it was a compact fracture uh so but
2: i or i might i don't know what but anyways that's
0: not that's really not important no
2: (laughs) but you know and, and that's the thing henry does try like he tries with the plants he keeps trying he just listen some people are good at some things right some people henry's not capable and henry
1: he's not nurturing but
2: okay so then let's talk about the worm in the hope chest because that he's very careful with i don't
0: oh. i don't i don't know how to answer that man cuz that, that and here's the thing here's the thing i have plenty of opinions on a lot of things but then i also have no opinions on many things and that getting it in the mail and put like i i don't know i i kind of don't know man I,
1: I do have an I, I do have an opinion about that as well. I now that I think about it,
2: I don't think I have any good opinions on it. Let me put it that way.
1: I mean, are any of our opinions good when we're talking about David? Yeah, Lange? I think we. I think we're all
2: throwing a thousand right now. So
1: exactly, we're just going, y'all.
2: So, all right, what, what's yours? Because I that's the thing. I, that's the piece that I can't place because it doesn't fit with kind of the, the rest of what we know of him in this world like it's 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 out of it it's misplaced so I don't get it
1: okay so I might even just like read my notes for this um just kind of to go okay so this is what I think I think that the the tiny worm is um a seed of like discontentment with his life I think it's it's Henry's own unhappiness and his own, the, the fact that he can no longer connect with his family. And he is reminded of that when it comes in the mail. And he, um, he so this is what I, I have written down. The tiny worm, the seed of discontentment hidden away. Mary's trying, but she cannot cope with the stress at all. The radiator glows, because I was really excited about the radiator. Um, and then Henry Henry is quietly hiding his worm away from his wife, but she knows because she was awake. She was awake the entire time. So uh, be, relationships are work. Even if you have an easy relationship with somebody, it's still work. It's still a choice. It's not like you, you sit there every day and, and you don't make the conscious effort to, to be there for your partner. And... When something's wrong, usually my husband will know if something's wrong with me, even if I don't want to talk about it, right? Or if something's happening. It's just part of being partners with somebody. But But you chose to be married. Henry
2: didn't choose to get married.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we did. We absolutely made that choice to get married. So we we should share things with each other. We should say, hey, let's work on this. I think that Henry is purposefully hiding things from Mary and hoping that Mary doesn't notice how unhappy he is but she knows. She'll always know. Let me say that again. She knows. She'll always know. And it's it's kind of what drives her away in the end because Mary's trying, but she can't do it. She, she can't be a part of this situation. And she acknowledges the fact that Henry doesn't want to be a part of this situation and chooses to remove herself from it. And um, I, I said, I feel a little like Henry because all my plants die too, um, even ones that aren't supposed to die. So figured i'd add that in real quick but that's my idea that's what i think
2: so i i the only you know i kept going back to the isolation piece of this that this because i must in the way i've broken it down in my mind he has ordered this worm from somewhere nobody it's not someone sending it to him as there's no one to send him things so he's ordered this as his kind of last he's probably ordered it before he found out that he had to get married to get a baby out of the hospital I, I don't know what rules this world has, but fine. So he orders it, and this is the only hope he has, and that's to for a connection that he can't see past that to his own kid, because this is what he kind of, this was his choice.
1: Oh, I do like that.
2: Oh, that's better than I. it was in my head, because I was like, man, this seems all over the place.
1: No, no, I like that. I like because he does earlier look in the mailbox for something. And I do have written, Why are you looking in the mailbox? You have no friends, obviously. Who's going to send you anything? So he ordered this worm Um,
2: from uh, Lord knows where.
1: An industrial place that sells worms. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Well, do we think they're in like a nuclear fallout? Like, do we think that's what it is? Because the nuclear bomb is on the like on the uh picture behind him and everybody has an issue or a deformity or something about them that is doesn't seem doesn't seem natural but did happen. Could be. Could not.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean just this it's it's just the worst. Like even Mary's house under, I guess it's under some sort of train tracks or a bridge. Like every, it's so claustrophobic under there. Just, yeah,
0: just you look nasty. out, you look out his window and it's just a fucking brick wall.
1: Oh, that's devastating. <laughs> I've, I've definitely been in like hotels like that, where you look at wow. the polo curtains and you're like, oh great. It's a fucking brick wall. This is my, my city view. Thanks.
2: Yeah. But that's your house. Just how like closed in, you must feel every day.
1: It is a very claustrophobic film, even yeah. though the very wide shots of him walking through the streets feel really claustrophobic.
2: There's no sky. There's no it's all just even when it's wide, everything's bigger than him and just overtakes him. He's just a small piece. Very claustrophobic. What, what about the first time we meet the lady in the radiator?
0: I mean, I, I, I definitely read. I mean, I feel there's a lot to be spoken about her i also love that that not originally in the uh the the treatment the 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 little outline that that was something that kind of came about as they were shooting which is also a really cool thing about lynch that like there was just open it was open enough to just let that
2: yeah
0: fucking be a part of the film
2: right and you know because i've always looked at that as like the hope like that's henry's hope for an out so you know the fact that this movie without that would just Listen, this isn't a happy ending at all. But whatever, there's nothing happy about this movie. But without that piece, it would just feel full on horror.
1: I kind of disagree. I don't think she's hope. I think she is death.
2: <laughs> but that might be hope for him. I,
1: I, the, it, well, exactly. Like maybe that is hope for him. But I, I see her as the embodiment of of death the Grim. she's either like death the grim reaper actual death grim reaper or she is his subconscious letting him know that his desires to commit filicide are um seen and real and 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 actually a, a, a thing he could do and it would be better for everybody it's
2: well she's so happy stepping on stomping
1: She's she's stomping on those sperm. She she really wants to stomp on those sperm, and it's disgusting. It's It's,
2: very visceral, and the 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 sound design really just hits you in the the face. The
1: sound design on this movie is brilliant.
2: Yeah. Spoiler alert: My unsung hero is the sound design because it's it's undeniable. And like a scene like that, like every you know when she steps off of it, it's so loud, and then when she steps on the sperms, it just hits you like it's. It's so visceral.
1: Right? Well, and also that, like the ambience in, in your in your um, ear constantly. You know, when we are walking around in our our own lives, like we constantly have something in our ear. You constantly have sounds going by you. Sorry, I just hit my mic. So let me say it again. You constantly have sound, and it's it's almost as if um, we're always in in uh, Henry's psyche, and we're always hearing what he hears. And I think that's so interesting, and and such a clever. Clever way to use sound.
2: Yeah, never lets him rest. Never lets him get a moment of silence. Literally.
1: No, but but the radiator lady, she is. I think she's death.
2: I love the radiator lady. Uh, I think it's such an interesting touch in this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I also think that she's she's death. Um, just the kind of the connection with the two of them at the end. And yeah, you, you could read like you know that she embraces him after he's. Uh, cut the thing open right um and uh i also but just listen to her listen i mean in heaven everything Everything is fine fine. she's just inviting him to the next the next step the next place and there's all there's actually well i'll I'll save that for a little bit later there's there's a there's a visual thing that happens that also leads me to believe that as well Yeah. (laughs)
2: it's it's a radiator lady I would. I'd love to go through the makeup choices for all of that.
1: The cheeks are very intense. Um, also, the hair, and it's it. It's interesting to me because it's very obvious that David Lynch has a fascination with the nineteen fifties, hundred percent, and mm-hmm. especially like uh, uh, Hollywood blondes. He he has a thing about blondes, and he has a thing about uh, you know the golden age of Hollywood. So we definitely can see where that influence is coming from. But we've already talked about, like, it, he does have this fascination with the dissolution of the American dream set up for us in the 1950s. And I do think it's so interesting that she comes in as this kind of like 1950s lady uh, with, with really big, true, big tumors on her cheeks, maybe. I don't know. Uh, As as this per, as the person who's telling him that it's OK to to die or to take someone else's life
2: you've got your good in, things uh, and i've it, got mine
0: yeah in the in the lynch on lynch thing he says the lady in the radiator had bad skin i think she had bad acne as a child and used a lot of pancake makeup to smooth that out but inside is where the ha- is where the happiness in her comes from and that's it that's all that's all
2: that's all that he says about I it i love him that's amazing <laughs> that he has I don't know what the word is but whatever he has is is just unbelievable just a full commitment to his self his vision and he doesn't give you more than he decides you get well, the,
0: and and,
1: I, go, go for it
0: I, well just to, to kind of go along with that so in, in the interview he uh the uh the guy chris he goes so what about the prologue to eraser head with the man and the planet obviously it's very important how does that relate to henry's story and the rest of the film and Lynch goes, oh, it relates. I've got to tell you, it relates. Prologue means what goes before, right? That's exactly what it is. It's very important what goes on there. And no one has ever really written about that part. And he talks about the, the, somebody who wrote about it. But he said, um, I wouldn't really talk about it, but I answered some questions for him. But there are certain things that happen in that sequence that are key to the rest. Um, and that's all. And then he literally goes, and that's all. And then the guy goes, which are? They're right there, you know? And that's it. That's all he... I mean that's that is what he does. He's, he's just purposefully vague with with everything, which leads also to I love that he has never really talked about the the baby and how it worked and what it was made
2: of and It's amazing. It's also shows how smart he is that he's always able to stay kind of ahead of the interviews. And those shows he, yeah, he not, never shows his hand. Not I love him. thing. No, I love it. I love it I so much.
1: I also oh i love him and i also love the fact that he 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 wants other people to have an interpretation of it he doesn't want to tell you what it is and i also like the fact that he leaves things um so like you're not going to get a director's cut from him he infamous he infamously like burned the Dune director cut because he just divorced himself from that project anyways. He, because he, he usually leaves his projects, which is why I'm so interested in Twin Peaks, because he does keep coming back to that world. Uh, he does keep revisiting Twin Peaks and he has more to say about it, which I think is fascinating. But like with head, he's like, no, I don't really want to talk about it because I, I did it. I want to move on to the next thing. And it's up to the people watching it to know what it's about. And and I also think that probably comes from him himself as an artist, um, like an actual artist who, who paints and makes sculptures and everything. Uh, we don't have them around to tell us what we feel when we're looking at a painting, right? So it's up to us to interpret the ideas that are within it. And I think he really comes from that that place where he wants us to see something in it, which is why we're sitting here talking about a movie and having wildly different ideas for what things could mean, which is beautiful.
0: And and so so many filmmakers call themselves artists, and and, and I want to be clear and say that I do think filmmakers are artists. Oh, But yes. they're but they're filmmakers. That is their art. Um, and Lynch being an actual like a physical like a, a painter and a and a sculptor and and honestly like a I uh does a prop designer a set designer like all like all of these things that he does. Um, that idea of wanting to shoot for multiple interpretations. Because here's the thing: it's really easy to create a moment in a film or TV show for everybody to have the same reaction. You were talking about Titanic, right? Off yeah. mic and say like, you, you cried, and like, yeah, and I'm not absolutely. saying that that's not that that's a great that that happens but it was
1: manipulative
0: yeah exactly it's really easy to draw a very specific reaction at a moment this is is much harder which is also why it's uh these kinds of things aren't as successful because sometimes we we want to be spoon-fed not just plot but emotion we want to be like this is the part where i'm sad and this is the part where i'm happy and and then you watch something like this and like i don't I think my general emotion, if it's an emotion, was confusion. Um, but like, it also made me lean in, which is you know you have to be yeah. an active participant in the, in the film
2: watching experience. I, I love the used active participant because I think that's, that's so correct. And Pete, that doesn't work for some people. Some people want to watch movies to not participate. But if you do, it's as rewarding as you can make it. I mean, there ha- But there has to be something there because you could try to do something like this and it could be unwatchable trash.
1: It's. There are times when I want to just watch something and kind of be told what to felt. And there are times when I want to watch something and try to figure it out. I mean, this is a movie. If you <laughs> want to try to figure it out, be my guest. There are so many people who have so many opinions about this movie. But and I, and it, it seems like every person has a slightly different interpretation. And that's what's so cool about it. It's so awesome that David Lynch was able to use five years to create something that has really sparked such an interest in people whether it's they absolutely hate it need to talk about how much they hate it or absolutely love it need to talk about how much they love it or are so confused that they have to work through that confusion it's it's it really does just kind of go over a variety of different places and 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 that's a feat in and of itself
2: right and you know whatever, whatever the reaction it gets reactions and you're going to be uncomfortable watching this because it is just never lets you settle in, which is great. But I mean, I think talking about scenes and what things mean, we talk about the eraser head scene now.
0: (laughs) Sure. Because
2: so, so the dream, his head falls off. His son's head takes over. He, Spills through blood and goes to an eraser factory. I have I, I have good ideas about the first part. You know he becomes just overwhelmed by fatherhood and by his son and the crying, and you know loss of identity. The eraser factory. Is a whole other can of worms. That looks real cool.
0: Before, okay. b- before we we delve into like the really serious stuff about trying to kind of nailed down the themes and um the single greatest line delivery in the movie happens here.
1: Yes. Okay, Paul. Hundred percent. Agreed, agreed. Um thank uh, you I for fucking, bringing that up.
0: Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So back to the the real uh <laughs> analysis of the,
1: of the it, very there. serious analysis. Yeah. Um we're very serious people here uh on one thousand one by one uh We're always correct about all of our analysis of movies. Um, That's how I live my life. Uh, Yeah, of course, of course. So this scene has always, I actually like wrote down, now we get the nightmare. And I I think I wrote down originally like, let me know what you think, because I have no ideas for this. And then I rewatched it today. I think Adam and I were watching it at the same time. I think we
0: were. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, So I think I started thinking about like 1950s and the dissolution of a nuclear family. I know I said that a million times already today and I do apologize for coming back to it. But I think this is a really important theme in this movie. I really, really do. And it's an important theme in a lot of Lynch's movies. And it's like either Hollywood or or. The nuclear, the dissolution of the nuclear family, or somehow like the mix of both of them. So, I think that this is a nightmare about what Henry will have to accept, and that we all must become this at some point if we are to participate in having a family. So Henry goes from being a person without much responsibility to a man who is married with a sick child and is burdened with the responsibility of providing for this new family that he never intended on having. On, Let me say that one more time. Burdened with the responsibility of providing for this family that he never intended on having. In order to do this, he... So in order to provide for your family at times a lot of the time people will put away their own wants or desires to create an environment for their own family to thrive and people lose themselves in trying to provide for their family so they jump in and they get a job and they go to this job for 60 hours a week to make sure that their bills are paid their clothes are are, you know fine they have food on the table and they don't have the opportunity to create things that make them happy or to do things that make them happy, and it's kind of him getting pushed into this place that's going to erase who he is. He he's getting uh, he's becoming an eraser. Huh. Uh, but but I think it's it's the idea that that sometimes when you have a family, you have to put aside things that you love and things that you would want to continue with. And then you no longer have that in your life. And it's basically taken away from you. So that's what I got when I was watching that. And I was thinking about how David Lynch probably was worried that having a family that he didn't expect to have meant that he wasn't going to be able to continue doing what he loved, which was creating. And of course, he he was able to create, he was able to continue being an artist, but not everybody has that opportunity, right? Not everybody is allowed to do the things that they love in addition to having the family that they want to have or the family that they happen to have. And that's a scary prospect. That's a scary prospect. For me, that's one of the reasons why I'm not sure I want to have children because I'm, I'm scared of losing myself and and losing my identity as as me in becoming the identity of being somebody's parent or being somebody's spouse. I mean, my husband and I weren't originally going to get married because we both were like, oh, we don't really see the need for it because we didn't want to lose ourselves in being someone's spouse. It's great. I love being married. Hey, husband, if you're listening, I love you. But, you know, it's it's a scary thing. Those changes can make you feel like you're becoming something you don't necessarily want to be and erasing what you had. Anyways, that's my long-winded reaction to that scene today
2: yeah so uh, the identity stuff i think um i like your part with the eraser factory as a continuation of that because i was thinking like lose your identity just go get a job making pencils but I, i like you going a lot deeper than it and continuing on the original theme of the of the loss adam what do you think
0: uh, I, I think uh again and I think it's it's funny how it's it's key moments in some of these scenes that, that click to me and I think it's it's the the, the testing of the eraser and the, the swiping away of the shavings. And I think for me it's this idea of being disposable. Um and I think with the head the head coming off and the suns coming up, it's like and and it really ties into I think what you were saying, Brittany. Like, but at this point it's like everything that you like what you what you want, what you found important can be just, we can just be swept aside now. And, and I think ultimately why the eraser. And again, it's, this is just my feelings is that um, eventually uh, erasers are worn down and eventually erasers, they, they, they become non-existent and depending on how hard they're used The quicker they go, which I think ultimately and the idea of the lady and the radiator being uh, deaf in some way or or another. um, I think the idea of being an eraser and the connection with her uh, is sort of what kind of those things are connected to me in, in that way.
1: I mean, it's it's just ushering us into oblivion, right? That's what the eraser is doing.
0: And just what a what an awesome shot when it sweeps over and the and the music gets all oh it's great (laughs) like it just
2: they somehow
1: made music
0: for
2: floating shavings i didn't know that was possible but man there are some talented people out there mine
0: isn't mine isn't that but it's the one it's the one with nance's head actually and and the in the back that's iconic yeah that's,
1: that's so good that's unbelievable it's so good
2: The abandonment, yeah, that- Henry's abandonment, right? Because it's it's its wife, and then he seems more forlorn by the loss, the abandonment of his neighbor to the creepiest dude I've seen in a while. I, it's it's
0: it's that's fucking FOMO, man. That that's it. It's right there. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's what's happening, man. That it's like ah oh, shit. The stuff's happening out the there. The world's I've happening. Been, been and I'm here. in this
2: cage.
1: I think my biggest question for that, uh, like my biggest takeaway from that scene was, is that man really as disgusting as he looks? Or is this just Henry's perception of how he looks? Because everything's from Henry's perception, like perspective anyways. So do we really think he's that nasty or or is Henry just seeing him as that nasty because he's been rejected by his sexy neighbor who gave him a shot but can't doesn't want to be a parent?
2: Yeah, I, that, that's one of the places where I really think it's all, that's all Henry's point of view. Really. Yeah. Really diving into just the ugliness of the world and making it all worse. That's how I took it. Um, I mean,
1: I do really like the neighbor though. I think she's great in this film.
2: She's, she's got a vibe to her.
1: She sure, she sure does. And I'm into that vibe.
2: She brings such a different energy than anyone else. It, it, it's, 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 it's appreciated.
1: I do I do think that Jack Nance's performance is so poignant. He's there are moments where I'm like I really should be so upset with you and and so upset with what you're doing, but there's such an honesty behind the things that he's doing. I really find myself so attached to him and attached to what he's doing, even though it's so obscure and, and, and feels so uncanny. I just, I, I really, really like Jack Nance in this, in this role.
0: It's, it, it's, it's funny because I, throughout the movie, I mean, the choices that are made, I'm not, I'm not like mad at, but I'm not necessarily like, oh, I don't like this guy, but, but like, it's, he's in a, it's a weird boat because it's like the movie, we're not really following any kind of logic so what as i'm watching him go through it it's like okay this is this the, these are the choices he's making and then so w- you know we he he cuts the like the the bandages off and it and at first i'm like like did they did they not know like did i mean like <laughs> right? well like what like what's under there and maybe sure just like a i'm curious i'm I'm here, I'm stuck, I might as well get to know this fucking thing a little bit better, so i'm gonna cut the thing off and and so that's that's one choice, but then it's like when he fucking impales him with the now now is is because can i and I might have the the sequence of events a little off, but when the 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 bandages come off. The the baby starts freaking out, freaking out, I'm pretty much immediately, yeah, right? Okay, absolutely. Is there anything merciful about what he does with the scissors
2: the second time, or 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 is it is it not? I think not. I think not I, in his mind. That's not how he was thinking of it.
1: Okay. absolutely not. I don't think okay. he was being merciful. And also, isn't that like the biggest taboo on that we can show in film? Right, like the the death of an infant. It's really tough uh to watch oh
0: yeah no. oh no yeah no i i agree i agree and i didn't i didn't i didn't read that anywhere i just as we were oh talking no no No. About, i didn't think yeah no. no but i just as we were talking about him and like decision making i was like huh, i never i hadn't thought about like i like when he cuts off the bandage i'm like like if i'm i'm there like going like well I'm, i'd be curious too but then like yeah when he fucking just like poof if, i'm like oh
1: if that if that's we, a choice if we hadn't had the prior scene where the um, neighbor lady sees, you know, the baby's head on his head, then maybe I could see, oh, he just wants to, to change its bandages maybe or see what is underneath so that he can get to know his child better. But because that happened directly before this happened, he cuts the bandages, I think it was a really malicious, malicious sure. kind it- of, I think he knew what he was doing and yeah. and he was, he was going in to kill that i i agree it, that thing
2: but it does lead to my favorite shot of the movie of the stare with the pencil shavings behind it you know out of you we brought up earlier that's that's just that's what i think about when i think of that just that scene it's yeah it's great
0: well and and the you know uh, we'll talk about this next time with and drive but the way that lynch can get these because I I, I I think he somehow gets linked to horror, which is I, I think kind of but bananas. But but that that that's for maybe for next for next time. But he does find these really terrifying moments in his in his movies, and the the edit like when the baby becomes this big fucking head and the way that that's edited and it's just kind of like that's that's actually pretty fucking terrifying.
2: Yeah, I love that. I somehow forget about that every time I watch this movie. I remember every piece. Then when it's a giant head, I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like I react to it each time. Somehow that doesn't it, stick.
1: It makes me cackle every time because that's how I react when something shocks me. I just, I just start cackling, uh, and I think, I think it's because I, going back to the horror thing, because um, I was actually thinking about that today too. David Lynch has many, many unsettling moments in his in his movies. Uh, he also has probably one of the best jump scares that's ever existed in one of his movies. And I think that the reason he gets, he, he is put in with horror are for moments like this, because it's a small portion of the movie, but it is so unsettling that I don't know where else you could put it. I, he kind of defies genre, right? He, he doesn't, he can't really be put in a box. And, but if you had to, it probably would be horror because he's so unsettling. I mean, we talk about, um, body horror so well we have I don't think I have ever talked about body horror but in general film people talk about body horror movies and it's surprising because this isn't brought up very often and I have to wonder is it because it's so uncanny because it doesn't look like a baby but it it is so horrifying when he stabs this the the lungs I don't know it kind of looks like a it's very phallic once he opens up this this baby because it's just you know the two organs and then the long neck and the head like it's it's a pretty phallic symbol um but you know he stabs it and then it just starts bleeding and pussing and and blood is flying everywhere and it's so unsettling and and disgusting to witness it's one of the worst like moments right it's ugh. oh oh yeah. yeah that's
2: it's just <laughs> in a movie where you never know what the hell's going to happen I don't think that's what you expect. The stabbing, of it, and no man. And that that is the end well, of a race. <laughs> well, not almost. <laughs> Sorry, Adam.
0: Well, and that's and that well, and that's. I was gonna say. I think the the idea of the man and the planet, being some, something with his mind, something with his his mental state or whatever. The spark, like he can't control the levers. There's a lot. There's chaos is happening, and then. Uh, there's that it just the planet um, like the fucking piece of the planet just explodes out. And then we've and then, of course, we see it from his uh, point of view with the mist behind. And then we fade to white and then the lady in the radiator is waiting for him. And I think I think, well, it, I mean, the jump I go to the, the sad jump is that I, he somehow has killed himself because it's yeah. it, so, it yeah. just, you know, uh, but. And so then you've got this, and then it's it's and then when you look back on it, it's just like the 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 really sad tale of Henry Spencer over the course of like
2: a week, yeah, a couple of days. Like I, who the fuck knows? He's still he's on vacation the entire time from his printing job. How are you gonna get fired
0: on your day off? That's a Friday reference there. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> I love the passion. We needed a little
1: levity <laughs> after talking about, you know, death and, and destruction. and. All right. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing.
2: Oy, what a movie. All right, so we've all given our scene and our shot of the movie? Yes. I think so. All right. What What about quote? What about you, Britt? We have a quote.
1: <laughs> oh, got a quote from this movie? That's oh, my I, favorite? My,
0: mine's okay, Paul.
1: It's true. That one's pretty good. Um oh so, god.
0: So think... Brittany, your unsung hero was um
1: Oh, I haven't said it yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Joe jo- mine jo- was, was your sound design. design. Yeah, yeah, I
2: gave mine a sound design. Okay.
1: Um my my unsung hero is Catherine Coulson. Oh. She came on um I love the log lady. The log lady forever. Um, she was the wife of Jack Nance, like I've said before, she's an actor, she actually was hired to be the nurse that gives the baby to Mary and, uh, and Henry, but they ended up running out of money and couldn't film it. But she ended up being basically the assistant director, the caterer, the hairstylist um, helped with, you know, prop making, she just did everything behind the scenes along with a couple other people Um, and she also put her salary from waitressing up for the production and just her talking about this film was just so wonderful and we hear a lot about um, you know the people who did the sound or even Jack Fisk who did the uh, production design we hear about David Lynch we hear about Jack Nance and his performance but I've never heard about Catherine Coulson behind the scenes, and it was so wonderful to hear how uh, how much she loved not only working on this film, but the people that she worked on this film with, even after her and, and Jack divorced, which unfortunately was due to his alcoholism, and and, and her just discussing it afterward was really nice and, and so pleasant, and I just love her. So Catherine Coulson, R.I.P.
2: Love it. Adam, what's your unsung hero? So
0: I I didn't know where to go with this. And this definitely came from watching some of the special features and, and doing some of the reading. But I'm going with a guy named Tony Villani, who ran AFI for a while and helped put up the money for uh, Lynch to make one of his first shorts called The Grandma. And based on the strength of that, uh, he got accepted into the Center of Advanced Film Studies, uh, which was uh, out in, I think, Beverly Hills. Which led to—I mean, that's how he got. He was one of the fifteen fellows accepted into the program in the second year of it. Which is how Eraserhead even really got to be a thing, um, and was always a big proponent of um, of of David Lynch's. So uh, maybe maybe a little literal with it, but um, uh, but yeah, the guy who helped get him to fucking make make the movie. I'm going with Tony Valani.
2: Yeah, it's an important guy. Made him ex- made him exist in our world. So good job, Tony. And he sounds like one of the gang members' names in Going My Way. So, you know, real full circle.
0: There it is. That uh, that was my my intention the whole time.
2: I know. Appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our last question. Does this belong in the book? 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. Adam.
0: So I'm going to hearken back to the episode that we did on The Elephant Man. Um so so Lynch has Lynch actively has three films in the book. He has this, he has The Elephant Man and he has Blue Velvet. And at one point Mulholland Drive was in the book, but it's not. Um Here's the thing. I think the movie is fascinating and I have had a fucking blast talking about this movie with you. However, I don't think that it's one of Lynch's three best films. And which is not necessarily merit to keep it out of the book. Um but Lynch is well represented and I think he could be represented better. I'm gonna go with no that eraserhead should not be in the book. Alright. Alright. Very good. Like and like the elephant man. I don't regret watching it. And I I very much enjoyed the conversation. Uh but no, I'm gonna go with no.
2: Alright. So then what would you replace it with?
0: So, I'm going a little more contemporary. Uh, I wanted to go with something absurd uh, that calls out its absurdity. Um, and I don't think there are enough movies like this in the book. Have you, either of you two
2: seen Rubber?
1: Oh, oh, yes. my God. I haven't seen Rubber for years.
2: Yeah, so when it like, first came out to wherever it was on demand or streamed, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so I watched that a few years ago and it stuck with me and I watched it again the other night and I um, I, I was like, yep, I think this is it. Uh, and just, just in case anybody is wondering, I'm going to just read the first. Uh, Rubber is a 2010 English language French independent horror comedy film about a tire that comes to life and kills people with psychokinetic powers. Uh, the movie also opens up with one of the most interesting little monologues ever. Uh, where a man comes out of the, the trunk of a cop car and says directly to the camera lines like this In the Steven Spielberg movie E.T., why is the alien brown? No reason. In Love Story, why did the two characters fall madly in love with each other? No reason. In Oliver Stone's JFK, why is the president suddenly assassinated by some stranger? No reason. It goes on and on and on like this for a while and eventually ends with him going, ladies and gentlemen, the film you're about to see today is an homage to the, no reason, the most powerful element of style. Uh, and it's just, it's absurd. It's not nearly as deep. It is not nearly as deep. It does make a lot of interesting, uh, it brings up some fun points about filmmaking and voyeurism and what it is to be an observer to things. Um, and and maybe the eraserhead conversation will, will be extended next week when we talk about uh, all the bunch's films. And it's not that I don't like it. I think he's got
2: better. That should be in the book instead. Fair. All right. And I love putting. I love. I just love rubber being involved. That's amazing. Uh.
1: I literally haven't thought about that movie since I last watched it. To be honest, now I feel like I need to give it another chance.
2: <laughs> all right, Britt. What about you? Does this movie belong?
1: Okay, so this was a very difficult one for me because I, I love David Lynch, and I think that David Lynch should be represented in this book. Um, I think that he is incredible, and these kind of movies, these surrealistic movies, are are few and far between. We do not have enough representation of them. But I struggled with trying to decide if this should be in the book or not because I think it's one that people are all going to watch whether it's in the book or not. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's something that, that we will still discuss if it's not in the book. Whereas there are other films that we probably, people might not know about and, and should discuss. So I'm actually going to go with no, because I think it's already a really well-known film that people already talk about a lot. And th- th- this is a very sudden change because I, I thought about it and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to vote for it to be in the book. But I've I really think that this book is supposed to introduce people to cinema that they might not have thought about reading or reading. Okay. <laughs> introduce people to cinema that they might not have seen before. So I am going to suggest that we replace this. I'm going to say no. All right. Only be- and, and I'm going to suggest we replace it with Perfect Blue by uh, Satoshi Kon. It's from 1997. I discussed it I believe we discussed it in last week's episode, or the previous a couple weeks ago. I think it might have been two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah, we I discussed it two weeks ago, and it's about a a pop star who decides to become an actor and shed her good girl image, uh, which sounds like it doesn't make any sense at the moment. But uh, why it would be a part of this? But it has some of the most incredible animation I've ever seen that goes into this surreal mindscape, and it is beautiful it's visceral it's terrifying and it it makes you think and it's a different perspective um i really highly recommend everybody watch it and i think it's something that needs to be uh it needs to be witnessed and it still has those similar uh, elements it will make you uncomfortable it will make you think and it will open your mind just a little bit so i'm gonna go with perfect blue
2: cool love it um so this will not be unanimous. I am saying yes. Um, especially, I was a little bit more on the fence until I've seen more. You know, as I'm five in, I'm halfway. And I just feel like this is important to understanding the rest of Lynch and this different way of storytelling. So I, I went with yes. Um, and I love that it's not unanimous. That That's a glorious thing. Because then we get the fun recommends. But yeah, I'm saying yes. Keep it in the book. All the reasons we've said in the past two hours, and that's a racer head, and we're not. That was a hell of a chat. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was glorious. Well... And guess what? We're not done with it. The next time you hear us, we will be talking about a racer head and nine other David Lynch movies, and we will be ranking them. And it is sure to be very exciting. And I cannot even begin to think how different our rankings are going to be, and that's so much fun.
1: I thought you were about to say, and it will be short. And I was like, uh, I think that'll probably clock the longest episode we've done thus far.
2: Uh, I was going to make a joke about how brief it was going to be, but I pulled it back because I was like, it's not even funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not with if, us long-winded. Uh. It was
0: like if the if the pod ends up longer than Inland Empire, it's going to be like, we're
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's possible it's happening oh.
0: it is po- I know it. it is very possible I'm gonna I'm gonna have uh, a lot I, I won't I will be drinking caffeine
2: uh, yeah. while we're doing that you need to but that is it for us tonight um, please again social media a thousand and one by one Twitter Instagram check us out we are active feedback is fun so please make sure you're following us so for a thousand and one by one I am Joey Rogate.
1: I am Britt reinhold Hobson, And I'm Adam St.
0: John. And we'll see you next time for the David Lynch Rankings.